Welcome to Fireside Chats by Old Firehouse School. I'm Dorothy Stewart, and I'm here today with Alex Dutton, the program director in Lafayette, and with another very special person, our own very special Cheryl Marsh. Cheryl came to us, Cheryl, how long ago? Nine years. Nine years ago, and has brought such a gift to us. You'll see it in the way that we interact with children. The name of this talk is on self-regulation. Cheryl, how has your background as a therapist influenced how you teach? I guess that one of the main ways that being a therapist has influenced my teaching is that I'm continually analyzing my relationship with the children and how that's going to affect who they are as individual little people. I think it's made me more aware of how all of my interactions with the children will shape their sense of themselves and how they're going to view themselves as they develop. And now as a teacher, I I really try to keep in mind what their underlying needs are as unique individuals and how to make sure that those needs are met over time. And I I think my therapy background has helped me think about each child as a whole person and how every day I'm shaping and molding their self-identity. And what I gained from working with children in therapy is that I truly value the power of secure attachments and the importance of teaching self-regulation. And I feel like these are the really important parts of teaching, the things that are going to influence what kind of person a child is going to be when they grow up. What can you tell us about what is self-regulation and how does it connect to relationships? Well, really, there's a lot of different ways to think about self-regulation, but if I had to boil it down to a simple definition, it might be that self-regulation is our ability to control and monitor our behavior and our emotions. So in other words, it's basically our ability to keep ourselves under control. Of course, the true key to self-regulation is not just being able to gain control of our behaviors and emotions, but it's being able to adjust them appropriately with the demands of a situation. A way to think about regulation is the ability of the system to get into balance and stay in balance. And that's even in response to like unexpected input from outside experiences It's not just a set thing. Okay, now I'm self-regulated. It's more of a dynamic state that needs to be able to adjust to the changing environment. So if we think about our responses to things in our environment that may try to get us off balance, maybe a person says something upsetting that we weren't expecting or say something changes negatively in our environment that we don't have control over. Self-regulation is how do we get then ourselves back in balance after those experiences. So self-regulation is important in relationships because as people, we impact everyone around us by how we respond to them. What people really need in their relationships are other people who can meet them where they're at and then help them get back into balance. So let's say you're meeting a friend and say a friend comes to tell you that they were just in a fender bender and someone scraped the side of their car. So you see they're visibly upset and they're dysregulated. So if your friend comes in and says, Oh my goodness, someone just sideswiped my car. This guy cut me off and I tried to get out of his way, but his car scraped the side of my car and I'm so mad. So now if we think about in our intensity and meeting someone where they're at, you don't want too little intensity. What if your response was, hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> your friend might get frustrated because they don't feel like you get it. They may actually intensify their efforts because they, they think that you don't get it and they want to convince you of the intensity of the situation or how they feel. So they might actually redouble their attempt to make you understand. They might say, wait, did you hear me? Like this guy cut me off and my car is all scraped up. So now your friend is becoming even more dysregulated. Your friend first wants you to kind of match their intensity and then help them feel better. 
what they probably want you to say is something like, oh no, are you kidding? That's terrible. Oh my gosh, you must be so upset. Are you okay? Why don't you sit down? Can I get you some water? So right there, you've calmed them down and helped them to feel balanced again. However, at the same time, we don't want too much intensity. They don't want you to get dysregulated yourself. They don't need, they don't need you to, to go higher. They need you to help them calm down. So we don't want to increase their intensity. So they don't need you to say something like, wait, that jerk, he's not going to get away with that. Hey, let's go get that guy. Let's go put a dent in his car. <laughs> you, you know, you're getting swept away in your friend's negative emotions. And then you can't help your friend calm down because you're getting revved up yourself. In order to be effective in relationships, we realize that we actually need to connect on a similar emotional level for that person to feel heard and understood. But then we lend them our regulated state in order to guide them back into balance. So you staying in balance can help them get back into balance. And I, I really like the phrase that says, a friend doubles your joy and halves your pain. Cheryl, let's talk a little bit about the impact for self-regulation with young children. How does that apply? One of the most important points about a child developing self-regulation is that children are not born with the ability to self-regulate. They actually have to learn it from an adult. And this is not going to just happen on its own. It, it takes a guiding adult for a child to learn how to self-regulate. Children need a well-attuned adult to share experiences with and to teach them how to regulate themselves. This is something that we call a co-regulating other. And without relationships, the child's brain is never going to learn how to regulate itself. Over time, the structure of a child's brain actually changes when an adult teaches a child how to regulate. So let me give you a picture of what that might look like. I like, I like to think of things visually, like a visual image. It helps me really grasp a concept. If I use the metaphor of a forest to think about the connections in a child's brain, if we think of this forest as the child's brain and the child has to figure out the best path through this forest to get from a state of dysregulation to a state of regulation. As a young child, it's really hard to find the best pathway because this can become really easily overwhelming. The child needs an adult to show them which pathway to take through the forest. And the child's brain marks that path for later use, just like making a map that shows how to get through the confusing forest. So the child's brain says, Okay, when this happens, this is the way that I should go. Okay, I'll remember that for next time. And in this way, an adult is actually teaching a child's brain how to respond to a certain situation in their life. And the brain marks the different trails. Okay, when faced with this type of situation, this is how I need to respond. And then when a similar situation arises again, the child acts in that way as they practice with the adult. The child has already started creating their brain pathways. This is really actually fantastic news. It's great for us because it means some amazing things for the work that we're able to do with the children. We're able to help create all of the original trails through the forest of their minds. We help them create the map for them to navigate throughout the rest of their lives. So what I'm hearing is that as parents and as teachers, we just have to remember that kids are not born self-regulated and that really is our responsibility to help them learn how to be self-regulated and that when they get frustrated or angry, you know, even when they're three or four years old, they're not necessarily going to know what to do with that emotion. And it's really still up to us to help them figure that out. That's just important for us to keep that in our minds when we're around our children and through all the different emotions that they're facing. So on this topic of parents, how can parents really help children develop the self-regulation? Of course, what parents ultimately want, I think, 
are children who have the ability to regulate themselves and who can get themselves back into balance whenever they get dysregulated. A parent can help their child develop social and emotional control through their own calm emotional support. Eventually, we want the children to learn how to master their immediate reactions to events and begin to use self-calming technique and reasoning strategies, and then eventually good communication skills as a way of coping. But the first step is just teaching them how to get back into balance when they become dysregulated. For instance, if, we, if a child is escalating and becoming dysregulated, our first step is to help them come back down to a more balanced state where they can think more clearly. For instance, say they're fussing and whining because they're frustrated or they want something from us right now. We can have them stop, do something like take three deep breaths, and then have them try again to ask us for what they want in a calm and non-whiny tone of voice. If we just allow them to keep whining or throwing a fit, then we're reinforcing this kind of behavior and they're more likely to do it again next time when they want something. And of course, we don't want their brains to learn to go down that type of pathway, right? We need to refuse to engage with them until they're in a calmer state. So we can say something like, wait, I'm not going to answer you when you're whining and using that voice. Stop, take three deep breaths, and then say, mommy, can I please have my cup? So in this way, you're teaching them that they have to adjust their emotional and physical state in order to interact with you. And every experience like this with a good self-regulating other is potentially brain changing. You're showing them that positive path to go down. What I'm hearing is that it's not that you're ignoring the child or you're even getting angry at them or or anything or punishing them because they're whining. But you're also not responding to their request from the whine. So you're the child that's saying, oh, I want my cup or I want my milk. You know, you could say, oh, okay, I'll get your milk, but ask me differently. And what you're saying is actually different. That you say for the child who's, oh, I want my milk. Stop. Take a deep breath. Now say again what you'd like. Oh, okay. I, now I hear you. You want your cup. So you're actually making them change before you even re- respond. And that's, that's different than, yes. I, yes. I'm pretty sure that's different than what I do at home. <laughs> so <laughs> yes. so that's, that's really interesting. Okay. Thank you, Cheryl. That works for whining and I will definitely try that at home. But what about for a child that's hitting or just being aggressive? Okay. So let's say that a child is really angry. Maybe they're reacting aggressively to a situation. What's important is for a parent to help that child find a different emotional state where then the child can react differently. The parent's first goal is to help the child calm down from the outside and model how to manage their emotions on the inside. And then the child will eventually know how to do that on their own without an adult helping. For instance, if your child is trying to get something by being physical, you stop them immediately. You, you can say something like, I know you're frustrated, but it's not okay to hit. And then you help them take a step back from the situation. I'm going to help you calm your body. And then that's when you help them calm down. Maybe you can have them do something like shake out their arms or have them count to 10. And then once they're calm, then you can give them an alternative behavior. You can say something like, oh, I know you wanted the toy, but if you want the toy, then you need to ask him for it. And then you can have the child practice the alternative behavior. Now, let's try again. Let's ask for the car. Say, can I please use the red car? And then the parent needs to make sure that they practice using the words. They actually have to have the child say the words. 
we have to show children how to actually change their emotional state and how to replace negative behaviors with positive behaviors that we want them to engage in. And every time we allow these situations to go unmanaged, the child is learning a negative pathway to take when they're faced with the situation the next time. But a child's brain can learn to regulate itself by being guided to do it over and over again. And at first, it takes an adult to help the child get back to that state and and regulate. And the child will need a lot of practice. But eventually, they will learn how to do this on their own. I really am thinking about having to stop and change their emotional state before teaching them this is the right way to do it. Because I think sometimes we put those messages together of stop hitting. If you want something, ask nicely. If they're in that really heightened state, they can't hear a lot of what you're saying to them. So you have to wait till they are in that state where they are now calm and then teach them. Exactly. So you have to wait for that. Exactly. So Cheryl, how does this apply to an older child? Like I remember when my daughter was in elementary school, the big deal was getting her feelings hurt. Her feelings were hurt lots of times by her friends. And that's different than this aggression. So how would you handle that? Even even when a child gets older and becomes more verbal and develops more advanced communication skills, we, we still need to help children learn how to regulate their own emotional state. And even as they get older, they'll continue to face situations that, that will cause them to become dysregulated. And it's okay for them to have emotions. We want them to know that. But we want them to eventually be able to reflect back on their experiences and learn how to manage their own emotions. To show you an example of this, let's imagine that your child comes to you and she's angry because her friend just told her that she doesn't want to be friends with her anymore. It's first important to help your child come down emotionally to a regulated state before trying to problem solve. So let's say your child comes to you and says, I'm so mad. Jackie just said she doesn't want to be my friend anymore. And I hate her. I want to punch her in the face. I never want to be her friend ever again. Hope that I never see her again. First, you want your child to understand her own emotions and yet get to a different emotional state. You might say, oh, Jackie said she doesn't want to be your friend anymore. Oh, wow. I bet you were really mad. And I I bet you were so mad at your friend that she would say that to you because she's your best friend. And She said something that hurt your feelings, and I bet you were sad too and disappointed in your friend because you like playing with her and you have fun together and you like being her friend. You see how I matched her intensity, but not necessarily the same emotion or behavior. I I tried to meet her where she was at first, and that way she knew that I understood her upset feelings, but then I just didn't just let her stay there at that intense state, but I tried to bring her to a different state, less about anger and more about getting in touch with her sadness and getting closer to being more balanced and in control of her thoughts and emotions while still understanding her pain. So then where she becomes more regulated, then she can be more receptive to problem solving and finding solutions. Now you brought her back down to that state away from all the anger and aggression and more to a state of understanding that she still does like her friend, but her feelings have been hurt. And now is when you can help her with some replacement behaviors. You could say something like, it sounds like Jackie was really upset about something. Maybe you can go talk to her and tell her how that hurts your feelings. And then maybe you can find out what made her so upset with you. I bet you could find out what happened and you can help fix it. And this is what we mean by co-regulating. It's attuning to your child's emotional state. So if you just said to her, oh, now calm down. You don't hate her. You don't want to hit her. You know that she's still your friend. She, she didn't mean that. So do you think that that's going to help her calm down? And, and do 
you think that she would feel validated by that? And it actually might even feel dismissive. And then she could become even more dysregulated because she's still in that anger emotional state. And we haven't moved her to a more regulated state of mind. As parents, we have to think about getting the child back to a more balanced state. And we're validating their emotions, but that doesn't mean to just let them escalate out of control or to withdraw and not deal with their emotions. It takes a lot of repetition and practice for them to learn how to do this on their own. And it was amazing how when you were reenacting what you would say to your daughter who's sad, like I could feel my body actually calming down with you. <laughs> like the whole co-regulation was actually happening. And then when you gave the other example of, like, oh no, you're okay. Like, you know, she didn't mean it. I felt myself getting more like well, no, you're not listening. So considering this is just an example you're giving, I could feel the changes in my own body. Mm -hmm. So that was really interesting. Yeah, it can be really powerful. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, Cheryl's going to share some games you can play at home with your children or teachers that you can use at school to help children develop self-regulation. But first, a reminder about the OFS Concierge Services. Do you ever wish someone would cook and clean for you? I sure do. We offer you the OFS Concierge Service. Order food from Jesse A. Laurent or have your house cleaned by Housekeeping Delphine. These services are here to help the OFS community make your life easier. Remember, a portion of every food order and housekeeping service is given back to your child's teacher. See our website for more information and click on the Concierge button. Thank you. So Cheryl, you have taught us a lot at Old Firehouse School, but let's talk a little bit here about some of the games that you have taught us that work at home with children and parents. As far as the games, in order to learn how to self-regulate, young children first need to be able to learn how to attune their emotional and behavioral state to an adult. They need to learn how to follow an adult's lead, and they need to learn how to be receptive to following the different cues from adult and adults. We call this attunement a child modifying their emotions and behaviors by watching and following an adult. Actually, any activity that allows a child to become slightly dysregulated and then the adult guides them back to regulation can be helpful. Like, you know, the game uh, called Hot Potato, where you pass around something like a beanbag or a ball, and you pass it back and forth, and the adult says cold potato, so you pass it slowly. And then when the adult says hot potato, then you start passing it really fast. And then the adult goes back to slow, saying cold potato, and so on. In this way, they're learning how to go fast and slow based on the adult's cues. And like another game is called freeze dancing, where the adult and the child dance together. And when the adult freezes, then the child has to freeze. Then wait until the adult starts dancing again and the child follows. So these types of games can be done in ever increasing intensities and durations of dysregulation. They start off slowly, then you build up, and the child becomes more comfortable with being temporarily dysregulated, but then find their way back into balance with some help. The child also becomes more comfortable with an adult helping to regulate them and showing them how to regulate, not telling them how to do it. So one of my favorite examples of this type of game is called Museum Guard. I know you guys know this one. The child pretends to be a statue in a museum, and the adult is the museum guard. Whenever the museum guard is looking at the statue, the child has to hold perfectly still like a statue. But when the adult turns around and looks away, the child starts wiggling around and being silly until the museum guard looks back at the child and then they freeze again. I love how we can make this really playful too. It's not like we have to wait for our child to have a meltdown. It can happen in really playful ways where they're, they're learning these skills from us. 
Yeah, that's the power of these games. They're very simple, they're fun, and it's in a non-threatening way. So the child's more receptive to learning and taking cues from the adult. They can learn how to tune themselves to that adult. And when an actual distressing situation then comes up in the future, the child is used to mirroring an adult's emotional and physical state. And they'll learn to take cues from that adult. They'll learn to watch that adult's reactions. I think that really any game or activity that keeps the child and the adult in tune with each other, games that include things like copying or mirroring mm-hmm. or doing things cooperatively. These are the types of games that help children learn to regulate their behaviors in, and it has to be in relationship to an adult. So you can do simple games like Follow the Leader or Simon Says or the Mirror Game, you know, where you, the game where the child has to match the adult's movements like they're looking into a mirror. That's a really fun one. I think One of my favorite examples is the game called Peanut Butter and Jelly. So the adult says the word peanut butter and the child says the word bag jelly. So so if we do it, they say peanut butter, jelly, jelly. peanut butter, jelly. jelly. Okay, so... The part of the game, though, is that the adult changes the tone and the pitch, speed, or volume of their voice, and then the child has to copy it. You guys want to try that? Yeah. So, all right. So, if I say, peanut butter, jelly. Uh, Yeah, jelly. (laughs) Let's try it again. Peanut butter, jelly. Peanut butter, jelly. Peanut butter, jelly. Jelly. Peanut butter, jelly. So you see, I mean, it's a really fun and silly game, but it's actually teaching a child how to modulate themselves in response to an adult. And the great thing about it is that children see these activities as fun, they're exciting, so there's not that negative association with them like there would be in other corrective experiences. They're having such a great time that they can't get their defenses up. And often they forget to react in their negative ways that they usually do because they're getting these positive feelings from the games and they want to do it over and over again. In this way, the games themselves become positively reinforcing and the children are learning to follow an adult's lead and read their cues and soon they want to do these activities. Let's play that game again. Let's do the peanut butter game again. Let's do freeze dancing. And they don't even realize they're practicing self-regulation. We like to end with something we can leave our parents with in terms of resources. Do you have any books that you think would be helpful for parents to read about how to interact with your child in these kinds of ways? Well, I think one of the most powerful books, I think, for parents and any anybody who interacts with children as far as helping them regulate and, and do those kind of things is the book called The Whole Brain Child, and that's by Daniel Siegel and Tina Bryson. It's a really amazing book. It's very helpful. That really is a good book. I like to take this opportunity to thank Cheryl for being part of Old Firehouse School to begin with and to bring this wonderful podcast to us. And thank you everyone out there for listening to us. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our podcast and on SoundCloud or iTunes. Thank Thank you. Thank you.